on episode 14 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about IoT and AI and insurance with Pankaj Parashar of Purple Ant. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific technologies that we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Happy Friday. Feels like every other day these days. I tell you what, Rob, I mean, it's, uh, it's a little bit like my favorite movie of all time, uh, Groundhog Day sometimes, you know? It's like, is it another day or is it the same day I keep living over and over again? It's little- either another day in paradise or another day stuck at home, <laughs> however you want to look at it, James. Good to see you again this week. Yeah, good to see you too. It's... uh. Of course, beautiful weather here in Texas. It's hard to believe there's a, you know, again, we call it, I call it Voldemort, the virus that shall not be named. Um, there's this this crazy thing going on uh, out in the world, and the weather is about as pretty as it gets down in Texas. Uh, beautiful spring weather, great fall, uh, great, great, uh, great spring day, and, you know, great, great uh, sunshiny day. But uh, certainly, uh, if you're out there in listener land, you're probably listening from home or the home vicinity or on a walk around your neighborhood, uh, distanced from everybody else on the sidewalks and doing awkwardly long pass-bys from people <laughs> where you're trying to... I mean, it's a, it's a weird world right now. But, you know, today, we're not talking about that. We're going to actually talk about tech uh, because uh, tech keeps moving and there's some awesome, awesome, awesome innovations going on in insurance tech. And Rob, I'm super excited to uh, have you co-hosting again for this episode of the Insure Tech Geek. And this time we have... One of your uh, good friends, longtime friends, Pankaj Parashar from Purple Ant. And uh, Rob, I'd just love to, to hear a quick word about how you guys met and, and how you all know each other. Yeah, so uh, Pankaj and I met uh, a few years back when I was at USA and he was at Cognizant. And, um, you know, we were trying to figure out if there was a there, there, there's a relationship that we could form between the two companies. And we ended up kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it. And podcast can kind of do it. It's kind of noodling around on something. We kind of, kind of developed some prototypes and some stuff that I think could have been really, really cool. And it ended up probably being just a, a ahead of its time and unfortunately never took off, but, um, you know, we kind of worked together on this and had a shared passion. And so we, we stayed in touch over time and, um, he left uh, Cognizant to start his own company, Purple Ant, and, and we'll learn all about that today. And then, um, obviously, you know, I wrote the book, left USA, and uh, started my new role. So, um, yeah, we've kind of kept in touch. Um, he actually hosts a podcast himself called Purple Ponderings with Pankaj, and I've been a guest on his podcast. So, nice. Uh, I'm glad to return the favor and bring him on our podcast. I, li- I like the alliteration, Purple Ponderings with Pankaj. That's uh, that's a good one. So, Pankaj, uh, welcome and greetings. Where are you joining us from today? Hey, thank you for having me, James and Rob. And I'm from I'm here in uh, sunny Chicago. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could say what you said, right? So, you know about the weather, how nice it's outside, and um, yeah, unfortunately, we're in a little bit colder place. But I got to tell you, this has been one of the strangest winters where it's not been that that bad right it's been mild 
we've had other problems as you know right uh, yep. with uh, what's happening with the with the virus uh, so we're kind of stuck inside the home and chicagoans don't like it because for a change they could have been outside right um, um, meeting um, meeting friends and colleagues so um, glad to be here thank you for having me and just to say i just want to tell you that what rob and i were working on 3 years ago rob if i may i i, I looked at that project and i call it the salesforce for underwriting project right so that's we we really that think i i really think we were working on something which was absolutely groundbreaking unfortunately the 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 destinies and the stars were not aligned on that one and we went different ways but who knows maybe one day um, we'll get an opportunity to you know do something on those lines um you know, Pankaj, there's a there's a lot of projects like that out there in insurance land. I, I remember my very, 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 very first insurance client because I started JB Knowledge as a software development consultancy. 2001, we're about to hit our 19th anniversary. <clears throat> and my uh, first big client was an insurance client. And we designed and sat down for 14 weeks in a room, a very small room with a, with a large whiteboard. And we wrote about a 450-page document designing the perfect system for underwriting inspections that would revolutionizing that would, would just totally revolutionize commercial and pro, and personal lines property underwriting inspections like the the entire inspection process. It would streamline the whole thing, and it was brilliant. I mean, it was it was a decade ahead of its time. And the guy and I, the the, the guy that designed it with me, was the uh, IT director at this company. And uh, we got to the chance to implement little tiny pieces of it, but never the grand vision because uh, it got squashed by politics and uh, a few other things <laughs> there. And, and it's it's interesting, you know. I think there's a there's a lot of those kind of projects that could have been revolutionary and groundbreaking, but it was the wrong time and and didn't take flight. Uh, but this is interesting. I mean, you you had a vision there, and um, you. You've now you've now you know, obviously left and then and started your own your own business to carry your vision out. Before we talk about Purple Ant, I would just love for you to to help us understand your journey. Where were you born and raised, and what do you think you were going to do? Most people kind of stumble into insurance. They don't like start out at like a twelve year old saying, "Daddy, Daddy, I wanna I wanna be an insurance underwriter. <laughs> I would love to be a claims adjuster." <laughs> you just you know, it's not like a profession kids aspire to be in. And there's really very, very few college degrees in insurance or in, in insure tech. So what do you, what'd you want to be? What do you end up doing? And then what got you here? Yeah. How much time do you have, man? This is such a great question because I can talk for hours and hours. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, I think it's an important question, James, because you know I really think that before you talk about with anybody about any topic, you got to understand where they come from, mm -hmm. why they're doing what they're doing, right? So this is what I hear you ask, which is very smart because that's what I do when when I talk to people as well. I am from India. I was born and raised um, in the north of India. Um, so um, grew up in the foothills of the Himalayas. Uh, what my big my my memory from those times are that it you know uh, those were the times when there was no heating, there was no uh, obviously no air conditioning. So if it was thirty degrees outside, it was thirty degrees inside, right? So I kind of got pretty used to the Chicago-like weather from very early on. Um, my father was in a in a job that made him go around the country. So we had the fortune of moving every three to four years. Uh, so spent time in the north, in the south, in the west. Uh, the only part I didn't spend much time was was the east. 
But uh, through that journey, I did my um, engineering, electronics engineering, completely by accident. I, I hated it. And the only reason I, I signed up for it was because my parents thought that was a good thing and it was a cool thing. And because I had no clue what I wanted to be, I signed up and, and four years later realized I wasted a good good seat. Uh, from there, I went on to doing my MBA. Um, and in my MBA, I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to join the finance industry because that was in thing, right? Everybody was joining these finance institution, investment banking was cool. Uh, it so happened, though, that in '95 there was a, 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 a stock exchange bust, right? There was some scam, and you know, stock markets dived, and all the jobs went away, just like how it's happening right now for for a lot of the people. And I, I had to pivot, and so I went to a counselor and said, "Mr. Counselor, I don't know what to do. This job has gone away." So he said, "You know what? Become a sales guy." And I don't know what he saw in me, but he said, "You know what? You should be. You should try to join these two technology companies uh, in sales, uh, that'll be good. I didn't challenge him. I didn't ask him why or what, but I joined one of them from campus, moved on to about four or five different technology consulting companies. Um, So that's what I've done. But then in 2001, I came to the States through one of those companies who did an interesting experiment. Instead of just bringing technology geeks to come here and work on projects here, they got a bunch of us sales guys and I don't know for what reason they thought that we could be successful in in this country. Um, thank well, thanks to them because uh, I'm still here 19 years later. Um, yeah, so that's that's me. And then over these last, I would say 10 or 15 years, um, because in 2001 I sold into uh, Westfield Insurance, which is a small insurance in in, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and this was, by the way, I'm just talking about uh, early 2002, just post 9/11. Uh, hard times, you know, economy not doing well, but you know, this this customer made a bet on me, and that's why I just love insurance because it's my first. It's almost like my first crush, right? They gave me a a great opportunity. I had I could back up my my job and you know convince my company not to fire me. Uh, and th- and something about insurance kind of just stuck on, right? So in those days, we were we didn't have verticals as such, but from that day onwards, for whatever reason. The companies that I've worked for just kind of made me focus on the insurance vertical and I've completely by accident stuck with them. Uh, also because it's an industry which is all about data and because it's all about data and they've got all these kinds of systems, they're always needing consultants to help them out because there's always a cool technology that comes along and they've realized that they need to do something with it. So um, I met my co-founder actually in, in, in that way about 10 years ago and realized that I've been, you know, we work really well together. We kind of are good at figuring out something out of nothing. And maybe that's a good recipe of having a starting or, or starting something on our own. So that's the, you know, the long and short of my, my crazy journey. And I have so many stories, but that's probably good for, uh, for, for you know, yeah, uh, to have to discuss over drinks. So I'll I'll pause there. Exactly, and, and you know it, it's it's interesting. I I ended up get, getting my big crush on insurance uh, because a friend of mine referred me to uh, a company that he had bought as an M and A guy, and uh, I got to start working. I'm like, man, there's so much opportunity here. There's so much to do. This is such an important industry. It's such an old industry. Um, you know, dating back to the Babylonians, right? The I mean insurance is fascinating it's it has a rich and deep 
uh, history and there's a lot to it. I have to ask, you know, I have, I have a lot of friends in India. I was on the phone with some very close friends of mine uh, in southern India the other day, and I have a call later today with some really good friends of mine in Aurangabad. I always have to ask, what's your mother tongue? Uh, are you like Lucknow or New Delhi or were you Uttar Pradesh or what, what part of northern India? Well, we're basically Punjabi, so we're from the state of Punjab, which yeah. is in the north. North, north, like the super north. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like Himchal Pradesh, like up there, like way up there. Okay. Close to, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm a massive fan of, uh, of, of, of Indian food. Uh, my friends from there have, have, uh, have, have uh, lectured me thoroughly on what is good Indian food and what is not. And uh, it's been interesting in, in IT because you in, you get to interact with so many folks from India in, in the technology business. Uh, and there's a, certainly a lot of innovation that takes place over there and a lot of opportunity and uh, certainly a lot of people. Uh, you can imagine the problems that you see at scale here are at a completely different scale when you go over a billion people and you put them in a in 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 an area like that. That's that's fascinating. So, what was the um, before I hand it off over to, to Rob? What was the what was the aha moment with with Purple Ant? Like, what was the 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 thing that said it's time for me to leave a very large consultancy, Cognizant, uh, who by the way has a huge office here in College Station, Texas? Um, you know, what, what was the moment that said I'm going to head out from this? Uh, you know, big corporate job and go chase my own dream down. Yeah. So the moment, the aha moment for me was this conversation with my current uh, carrier, right? So the one who covers our home and auto policy, I was having a chat because they were, it was time of a renewal, I think. And they were pushing this idea of a discount on my car. If I put in this dongle and, you know, it was not that easy to put in, but you know, I started, I got, I got, I got fascinated by that. I said, what are you going to do with the dongle? I said, look, we'll ma- monitor your driving. And based on the driving, uh, you know, we'll make decisions. I said, what kind of decision? He said, hey, we'll, we'll probably lower your premium. I said, great. And said, what if my driving data tells you? you know, <laughs> what if I'm data? terrible? <laughs> yeah. I, I Listen, you know, here's a secret, which I don't want no one to know that the stop sign near my home, which is near a elementary school, sometimes I don't completely, you know, come to a halt. I drive past that stop sign. If you're going to know that I'm doing that, is there a chance that my premium will go up? They said, yep. I said, all right. Nope. Not very comfortable. But I said, look, I asked them, what do you have for my home? Because I am spending three times the the amount as a, as a homeowner. The check that I write is three times the car insurance. So give me something for my home because you know what? Whatever is it that you have to keep my home safe, I don't mind sharing that data even if you if you want to. And they, they had nothing, right? So yeah. that is what was the aha moment. Rob was one of the first guys. I think Rob probably will remember this. I you know, just called, started calling a bunch of my friends and said, look, why is the industry not giving uh, the homeowner something to incent me to adopt this awesome technology, which is available, which is just emerging, Call Internet of Things. Um, so yeah, um, um, that's what was the launching moment for Purple Land. That's awesome, Rob. Yeah, Prakash. So a lot of people actually that I've met recently um, have really made that jump uh, from 
corporate America to starting their own companies. And, um, you know, just having a conversation right before we started recording about, you know, I feel like there's almost like two types of individuals, right? There's individuals that they kind of know they're not for corporate America from day one, right? And and so they they start and you have serial entrepreneurs and other folks and um, always admires folks like that. But then it's kind of a, a different thing when you're getting that steady paycheck, right? Every two weeks and and you kind of have grown up in that, that corporate environment and then to make the leap after kind of being in that environment for several years. So maybe you can just talk about like, obviously you knew you were taking a risk, um, but I'm curious, like what surprised you? What did you not anticipate um, when you kind of made that leap to be a founder? Honestly, I didn't know what to expect um, when I made that leap to a founder, but a, a part of me took some time to introspect, Rob, right? And I, I, I did some introspection because I asked myself, what is it that I want to do and why do I want to do that? And so that, you know, really helped me get some, get some thoughts around basically the idea that I should take a chance on myself. Like up until now, I've gone from a job to another job. I've gone from different, from education to, you know, to sales, not because I wanted to do that, but just it so happened. But for once in my life, I, I, I think I want to do something off my own. And so that to me was the time that I took to reflect and the time that I made the realization that I need to bet on myself, right? If I was a stock, I needed to take a bet on myself to see where I could go, right? So to me, the aha moment a little bit later in the journey has really been a pleasant one to realize that there are so many facets. There are so many things that I am now able to do that I love doing, podcasts being one of the things, right? Which I would not have done had I not taken this jump. So that's all on the you know, sort of the on the on the on the on the part about sort of betting on myself and seeing what that um, you know discovering my own capabilities in areas that I never you know tried before. You know what that's like. I think the, the you know so so that's the that's the part that's that's the nice part, right? The the other part is all the learning part, right? Which is I thought, believe it or not, I thought with the idea that I had, I'm going to be damn it, one of those you know those pictures and the stories that you read of startup founders it's like maybe i'm going to crush it in like three months the indian zuckerberg i know it yeah (laughs) but uh i think i i've realized painfully that it's very slow right it's it's just the going is the outcome is is achieved more slowly but so you've got to be patient about the outcome i call it the duality which is you've got to be impatient with what you want to do in how many things you need to do of course you need to have focus and priority but you got to be patient with the outcome Right. You got to be really patient with the outcome and enjoy the journey. Right. So to me, it's a process of self-improvement. There's so many things that I've learned in this journey. and There's so many things I'm going to learn. And I'm really excited about that. OK, so Pankaj, let, let's let's get to the meat of the the problem. The problem was that there was no insurance companies offering a discount uh, for tracking one of the largest problems in homeowners insurance and homeowning in general is water damage, right? And yeah. there was an interesting, I was having an interesting discussion the other day with a home, uh, uh, and a homeowner's uh, carrier that said they're actually speculating that the current work from home environment will reduce claim costs because people are home all day and are noticing water leaks and a significant portion of water leaks actually occur when people are at work. So water damage is a killer. Even a little leak can cause massive mayhem inside of a house. There are there are solutions out there. 
that will um, replace hardware in the house, the hardware-based solutions. And you go to the water main, and then you connect a flow meter, and then you snap into that flow meter. There's a there's a lot of IoT for the house, in fact. And and by the way, I agree with you. It's ludicrous that they they want to plug into my OBD two port in my in my vehicle and measure my driving. But which, by the way, I I will. I will do when they force me to do it, by the way. Like, I will never do it until they make me do it because I like to use my 6.4 liter V8. I have a 454 horsepower 6.4 liter V8 on my Chevy, and I use every horsepower of that. And so I will not put the tracker on. But, but on the house, I've got IoT out the yin yang here. I've got everything from Nest, everything from saying, I've got every device you can imagine in this house. And I get Zippo on my premium knocked off because I'm constantly monitoring everything with this house. So that's the problem. And, and in Purple Ant, you said, I don't want to start a hardware company. You wanted to do what? I wanted to, You wanted to snap in with all the hardware that's already there? Yeah. So, you know, back to that aha moment, right? So really the, 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 the purpose of Purple Ant was to figure out what that product looked like, which someone like me as a homeowner could, you know, could, could, could use. But then I wanted to go through the insurance company, right? So my back, because I've been selling to, to carriers, I wanted to make sure the B2B is the way to go. Because if I could get one carrier to buy into my idea, they have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of homeowners, I can reach to many of them, right? So my, my, I started with the carriers, right? To see why are the carriers not adopting this technology? And that interacting with them brought two insights into what's stopping the industry from uh, you know from 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 widely adopting it the first one was user adoption right so they didn't they said that hey we've tried sending these devices to a, a bunch of people for free we haven't seen the uptake that we thought we would I said, all right that's a problem second problem was the cost right so a lot of these devices cost a lot of money so back in insurance world right you got to look at Nobody has put the equation together of, hey, how much is my expense ratio going to go up and what should my loss ratio go down by to make this equation work for us, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, economics need to be in our favor. So we said, all right, those are the two things that we've heard from every carrier, right? So now let's look at what can Purple Land do to solve these two, right? So we started off making sure we understood what exactly is stopping the, the industry and then solving for that. And then using that learning to build, you know, the the product and the platform that we've we've subsequently built. So, uh, just taking one one by one. So the economics are very important, right? So depending upon the property configuration and depending upon the premium, there is a way for us to back into a number, right? Which is the cost of I call it the cost of the mousetrap. So you got to make sure that whatever is the mousetrap that you're putting in, it costs lesser than the premium that you're picking up. To save that peril from happening, right? So, so with that insight, what we realized was there is no perfect device out there that can be a one-size-fits-all. There's different devices on different technologies that work better in certain in in different configurations. So, if I'm an insurance company and I believe in this technology, I need to have this ability to have different kits different hardware kits to be able to be deployed in different you know, configurations. So that was an insight that we got. And we said, all right, if that's the case, unless I am you know, world's most awesomest manufacturer who can build anything and everything, 
you know, and, and I'm not that. So the best next best thing is to figure out, can I just work with what's out there, right? That fits in this requirement and make it work for the, for the carrier. And, you know, we found the way. So that was one insight. Now going back to the user adoption, this was fascinating, right? So the user adoption, which is all about consumer behavior, James. I mean, I think one of the biggest learning for me has been how much important it is to understand the psychology of the buyer, right? The end customer. Uh, and two things came out when we started doing that, uh, you know, interviews and research. One was that most homeowners don't get up in the morning and get excited about a water sensor. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I do, but that's pro- I'm, I, I recognize I'm in the, the significant minority on that one. <laughs> Yeah, you recognize, and there are a few, by the way, all the ones who've had a leak, who had some damage, they get it. They're like, dude, sign me up. I'm I'm there. But vast majority, I'm going to say 90% of the people don't really think about it. They think about video. They're more worried about who's showing up on my porch and, you know, pushing the doorbell and I have a video and I'll spend hundreds of dollars a month on, you know, that solution. But I'm not excited about what. So they had to figure out why should I as a homeowner, be excited and motivated to do something with my water sensor, right? So that was that was, uh, that was was really the insight that we picked up. And so we said that, look, we've got to make it easier, right? So we've got to give an incentive. That incentive could be a financial incentive, right? So in making sure that there is a, um, uh, a savings that the, the, the homeowner gets in exchange for them um, activating and deploying. And the other problem was, actually deploying these devices right so you're a tech you're a geek you'll get it anybody with a set of instructions i'm sure you'll be happy to spend some time figure out you know what do i scan where's the qr code what's the app what's the next step blah 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 but a lot of the homeowners you know think gen xers uh think baby boomers for sure uh, they're not very comfortable with technology right you can't ask them to hey you know do a qr code scan and things like so we said all right to solve that problem, why don't we pre-configure the set and send it to them? So that way, they don't have to worry with configuration, right? So that we take that away from them. The next thing we like that is, okay, even if someone is is just pure lazy, right? They don't want to even want to unbox and plug in, which is, you know, should take no more than five minutes. So we thought about how can we now have someone coming in and helping them out without adding any cost, right? So for example, if a, if a home inspection company is coming your way, you could you could you know tie up. So that's what we did, right? So we tied up and said that, hey, if a home inspector is going in at no extra cost, you'll be able to unbox this box uh, this this kit for you. So long story short, I'm going a little bit into the weeds, but just coming back out, user adoption as a problem we tackled from different like lenses. We applied different lenses and said, look, we got to do a number of these things to make sure that I am a home owner that is motivated. The other interesting thing was um, the the one thing which was positive in in us building the user use case was alignment on the outcome. The one thing that home insurance, the carriers and the homeowners agreed upon was nobody wanted to have a claim. They didn't want to they didn't want to have their premiums go up. They didn't want to have damage. So we said, you know, let's make sure that whatever is it that we put in, there is a workflow that is able to a confirm that there is indeed something happening and b gets them the intervention and the help that they need when it is happening 
because that's what helps prevent the claim, right? So he kind of looked at it very holistically. And again, this was the system integrator, the you know the cognizant, the Capgemini hat on, uh, which is what we've been doing, right? Hey, solve the problem. Don't just look at a, a service or a product, right? So that's awesome, Rob. Hey, Prakash, I, I, I love um, your story. What I love about actually you getting into some of the details is. Um, that's what makes it very real. Um, I see so many founders and, and technologists and entrepreneurs out there and, um, you know, they've diagnosed some, some problem, right. Or some opportunity. And, and I don't know that I've ever, ever, you know, in the hundreds of conversations I've had with, with founders said, Oh, that's, that's not a problem. You know, why are you trying to solve that? I mean, they're almost, the diagnosis is almost always correct. The challenge is, whatever your initial thought as to what the solution is, is almost always wrong. And so you've got to just iterate and iterate and iterate and get to that level of, you know, what are the incentives and what are the, the barriers to adoption? What are the roadblocks? And they can seem relatively minor when you have this big problem that you're trying to solve, right? But it's so critical um, to the success or, or failure of your, of your company. Um, so, Pankaj, obviously you and I have talked about specifically from an insurance standpoint, the level, this is a, a paradigm shift, right? This isn't just like a, we'll keep pricing and keep underwriting the same way that you've always done it. Um, just, you know, add data from sensors. Like this is a whole different mindset. I, I don't need to look at the age of the home anymore as a proxy for, well, how likely they have a water leak. Like I have devices, they can monitor the water flow each and every day and tell me when something's adrift. And um, we've talked about this concept of a, a near miss index. So maybe you can just um, share a little bit of like, what's the potential of these technologies and, and what type of insights can people get? And um, yeah, how do you see this kind of revolutionizing um, the, the world for property insurers? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, it's a great question, Rob. And you know, you're right. I'll I'll talk a little bit about the near miss index, but I would I just wanted to maybe highlight a couple of things that the insurance industry will need to do, right? In in truly adopting this this technology, right? So the first thing is the mantra, right? We all hear prevention is better than cure, and it's you know even more applicable in these days, right? With the with the virus, and you've seen how some countries have been able to keep a lid on it and some countries have not. And it's because prevention is better than cure, right? So um, if you think about insurance and if you think about the operating model in, the, in an insurance company, they're not set up based on this guiding principle that prevention is better than cure because they're built on a reaction, right? So they're built on, I'm going to sell a product and I'm going to interact with that customer only when it's the time of renewal, or if they have a claim. Other than that, there is no interaction at all, right? So I think one of the challenges that the insurance companies uh, have faced and are realizing and figuring out is that here is an opportunity with IoT to completely transform that and completely change that, right? To, to really have an interaction, have a reason of an interaction which adds value, right? That's the key thing, adds value to the uh, to the homeowner. So now let's come to near miss index, right? So this is the use case that you and I discussed, right? How would a near miss index uh, help both the homeowner and the carrier? So think of it this way. I have, let's say, a um, device which is uh, which is going to detect a leak that happens under a kitchen water sink. Right now, if the homeowner is not at home, the leak happens, it soaks in the, it gets into the, you know, the floor below, floor, floor is wooden, so now you know, there's mold and it's not discovered for many years, many days because 
homeowner was maybe they were out on vacation they were in uh, you know out of town visiting family whatever so that's the current problem right it's just not detected it's just you know that is what causes the damage in the tens of thousands of dollars nationally i think the average for homeowner is about ten thousand dollars in 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 a small commercial context in properties it's you know probably thirty forty fifty thousand dollars right so it's a humongous problem but let's say with this technology we're not able we're not able to know that there is a leak which is happening and let's say every time there is a leak that happens we're able to get to the homeowner and or the property owner and tell them that look a leak is happening uh can you confirm that there is a, a leak that's happening and they go and they confirm yes there is a real leak right it's not an accidental spill because that's possible too right a sensor will pick up any 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 uh, let's say any any um uh information related to a, a, a water leakage so we want to make sure that it is indeed a leak and not just an accidental spillage so that's step one but step two is if that happens you know, let's get the handyman and let's get uh, some carriers have told us that, look, at that point, we just want the homeowner to be able to, you know, connect to our claims department and we'll take it on from there. Now, let's say these leaks are happening. They've not become a claim. But over a period of two days, I know that a number of leaks have happened. And given the fact that this is, you know, let's say 30, 40 year old home, by the way, this is all public data. There's a lot of public data around when the home was built, who built it, what was the material used. And now we've got artificial intelligence, AI, ML, um, software, computer telling us that, look, the chance of claim has just gone up from whatever, 30, 40% to 80, 90% because of all these factors and all because there's a strong correlation as well. And so now that gets into that, what we, what you, what you very nicely described as the near miss index, which is now carriers should care because if it's, if it's not done properly, it's going to become a claim, right? So that near miss index is now becoming is becomes a really critical insight or an input. How that helps the carrier is a for them to be able to intervene, avoid the claim for that specific homeowner, allows them the opportunity to go to three other homeowners that they have as customers in the same subdivision because they know the house was built around the same time by the same person, and there's a good chance that the pipe might be a problem, right? So Maybe here's a link to Amazon, right? And it's all automated. And all of a sudden, there's value to the homeowner there as a customer because you see, hey, oh, my carrier is sending me some valid information which says that I should look at this because if I don't look at it, there might be a you know, water claim uh, or water damage coming in. So, so that's another insight that that near-miss index gathers, right? A third thing is if there is a new application, right, that comes in from that uh, subdivision, now you can you can apply that same intelligence that same insight to you know to to generating the code itself for that for that uh, homeowner so i think there's just a variety of applications of just that one idea of near miss index um we've 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 since kind of validated um you know some of the other ones as well and i'll i'll, I'll stop there because james as you said i'm not going to get into you know purple land product and solution i want to i want to just focus and make sure that uh, people understand the approach that we are taking, right? That to us is is, is more important that, that it's a holistic approach. We need to take a holistic approach if we have to see success of these this this technology, right? And it's entirety. It's not just, hey, I'm going to send a device and you know it'll work by itself. It's thinking end to end. Who's who's going to be up adopting it? Why are they going to be adopting it? Both at the at the property 
property owner's perspective and also in the carrier, right? In the carrier, is this the underwriter who's going to take some meaning, meaningful insights out of? Is it the claims department that needs to now tweak their operating model a little bit? Is this the actuarial people, which at some point would be really interested in those correlations? So there's a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, alignment and identification of that value uh, that needs to be done. So I can go on and on, Rob. You know me. I, I just, uh, uh, I'll not stop, right? I yeah, no, no, no. It's all good stuff, my gosh. So quick follow-up, and then I'll um, have James uh, chime in. Personal lines or commercial lines? Where's the bigger opportunity? Oh, yeah, here's the biggest in, you know, people calls in startup life, it's a pivot. So we designed our entire approach, philosophy, product for personal lines carriers. And late last year, and you know that, right, as a, as a beta customer, we kind of started showing, look, here's the product, this is what we can do. About six weeks in, eight weeks in, I found that it was mostly commercial carriers that were talking to me. And and I started to wonder why, right? So then, and then two things came out. One was that, remember that problem that I said about the cost? Well, in the small commercial context, you have a little bit more leeway because property premiums are higher. And even though the property configurations may not be that different, their appetite to now you know, assume some of that cost is it's much more palatable, right, in that, in that, in that context. Uh, so, so that was one. I think the other one was really, I heard similar pain points, right? So pain points were, there's just too many device manufacturers out there, right? This device agnostic thing that Purpleland talks about, you know what, this makes sense. Um, very beautifully put by another carrier. They said, look, as a, you know, we have something going on with our auto side on IoT. We've got something done on property side with, you know, with, with, the, with the water. Um, you know, we have something going on with temperature because they had a use case for, for a restaurant. So, you know, temperature sensor. They were also doing workers' comp. And they are also doing life. And so all of a sudden you have this possibility which exists that if I as a as a customer have all these different policies in in and right now being sold as different products, but at the end of the day, it could be the it could be one carrier and one customer, right? So I and with, with this IoT play, you now have a unique opportunity to gather, to gather, you know, real-time. Uh, data to make those underwriting decisions. And if I'm someone who's forward thinking as end customer, maybe there we, 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 we've now set up a play where there is very, you know, we've reduced the risk of what those potential perils could be that I could face, right? So I think in the commercial side, the possibilities are, are more. So again, long answer, but yes, it's more commercial or more small commercial than personal as we see it. That's fascinating. You know, the um, I've looked at both. Uh, and, 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 you know, there, there's obviously a huge opportunity in, in both, in both places. Right. Um, what, what's most interesting to me is what I always thought would be a heart, really a hardware problem is really turning out to be mostly a software issue. And, um, that, and look, as a, as a, as a guy who's been writing software since I was 11, I'm a you know, lifelong software nerd. It's exciting to me that it's a software problem and not really a sensor problem because the sensors are fairly cheap to manufacture now. They're fairly easy to install. There's a lot of them. Uh, you can get sensors for just about everything in your house now. Um, it's the software looking at everything. Um, let's just kind of bring it all home. What's the end result look like when someone really gets on top of this? Uh, let, let's say, let's say, even if their their carrier doesn't discount premium for it, and on their own, they want to get this technology in their hands. What's the end result look like? Is it is it lower total cost of ownership? 
because their cost of risk is lower. I mean, what, 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 what's the, what's the, you know, at the end of the day, what's the, the end result? I think the end result is both. I think it's an improvement of the bottom line, so improved loss ratios. But I also think that there is a positive uh, impact on the overall combined ratio because this is also a good, good growth story, right, for carriers. Um, so imagine if I'm a, in the commercial context, if I'm a broker and I've got two policies or two products to sell to my customer who I have a relationship with, one that offers IoT and one that doesn't offer IoT, I think the IoT one is going to be more attractive for both me as a broker and for that end customer, right? Because it's it's lowered, lowered risk, it's lowered premium. There's a value that's been established, right? So to me, there is a top line impact to the carriers as well. But my, you know, I, I'll use this opportunity to just jump and share a little bit of a vision that I have even further down where I think insurance could go with this IoT play is really this, this scenario where if you think about a property, there would be an IoT play inherently with all kinds of sensors already in the home, protecting all kinds of risks. And then carriers would be writing a policy what these sensors can't cover, right? So maybe at that point, the only policy looks like is liability, right? What if I'm a homeowner and I go all crazy and I start <laughs> you know, whacking things around and destroying things. You can't prevent that. But anything other than that, IoT can predict because it's all about connectedness, right? So walls, ceilings, sump pumps, appliances, you know, if, if these things fail, we will know that they are failing and then we'll, we can take the action, right? And I look at it as maybe you know, some people, I've asked people, how long do you think that state is going to come? I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, but who knows? Things may be faster than, uh, faster than that, I'm, I'm I'm sort of hoping to. But yeah, so long story short, there is a there is a bottom line, top line. So we call it the loss prevention, retention, and acquisition play. Nice. So let's uh, bring it home, Rob. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What is what is this is the now, right? He's rolled this out. It's a product on the market right now. What, Rob? What do you think the future looks like in this regard? Uh, IoT sensors and data for uh, homeowners? Yeah, so um, the analogy that I often use when I'm given uh, keynotes, and it, it's the first chapter um, in my book, The End of Insurance as We Know It, we talk about the world of maps, right? And so we think about maps. We used to go to AAA. I went on road trips as a kid, right? And you had paper maps, and, and we've all kind of used those, right? Most of us of a certain age and older have used those. And if you think about it, like those were used by ship captains, right? By Christopher Columbus and others. So one of the first thing to do when you know people came to America, right? And, and uh, folks from, from from Europe, they they created maps of the land, right? And they would send it back to England and Spain or whatever. So maps have been a, a technology that's been with us for centuries. And in the last 10 years, we all use this magic thing called GPS, right? And it's a sensor. It's on your phone. It knows where you're traveling. It's sending all the information from your car, up to the cloud via cellular networks. It's being processed by artificial intelligence. It's being beamed back to your phone on this, you know, quote unquote, beautiful user interface that you know it doesn't seem beautiful, but it does take right the millions of possible combinations and, and narrows it down to two or three, right? And gives you the times and all that. It's actually fairly intuitive and easy to use. And so I'll ask people, you know, who uses paper maps still today? And most people, there's a couple of holdouts, right? They'll raise their hand, but no, maps have kind of largely gone away from our life. And we haven't really, I don't know that we've had a moment of silence for maps, that we've, <laughs> you know, kind of buried them as dead and gone, that we've just moved on, right? And it's been kind of seamless. And so 
I, I very much see that world happening. And I don't know how you get from point A to point B, the, the future that Pagash was describing, but what's so intuitively better, it, it's certainly better than um, things like age, gender, marital status that used to use for driving, right? We all know an 18-year-old single male is a worse driver on average than a 35-year-old married female. But we also know that there's some 18-year-old single males that are very responsible drivers, uh, probably not a young James Benham, right? But uh, <laughs> no. then we know some 35-year-old females that you would not want behind the wheel either. And so since I can now, quote unquote, see their exact driving behavior, why would I use their age and gender and marital status as a proxy for how they drive? I can directly observe how they drive. It's, it's the same with all the devices and, and sensors and um, use of AI that, that Pankash has been talking about. So it's clearly better. It's superior at kind of managing risk. The question is, how do we get from that old map world that we're stuck in today to this new GPS world of tomorrow. And, and that's the part that I think will be interesting over the next decade to see how it plays out. Yeah. Young James Benham drove 115 miles an hour and hit my governor chip on my Ford, my 95 Ford Mustang uh, on a two lane undivided river road in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on a regular basis. Uh, so I am super happy there was no dongle to track my driving activity. And and I have while I have not said uh any any words for the death of paper maps, I will say that I still own them and they are still in my glove compartment of my truck just in case things happen. I uh I've got I've got active maps on my whole paper and I'm a pilot too. I fly all of my flight charts are digital now. They're on my iPad and iPhone, and they're synced with my, my plane. So my GPS uh, has all my charts synced from my phone through Wi-Fi connection with the plane and my phone. Uh, it's pretty amazing technology, actually. And I still carry the paper charts because uh, if the fit hits the shan and I'm in the middle of nowhere, I'm going to want to know where I am. And so I'll, I'll say I still carry the backups. Uh, so... Uh, but that being said, the future is a brave future here. So, Bankaj, uh, uh, let's wrap it up. What's what's next for Purple Ant? What's the we? I see what's on the website. We've talked about what you have. What's the you know? Let's wrap it up for the listeners. What's coming next for uh, you know home sensors and insurance? Yeah, no, absolutely. And by the way, my website is pretty outdated. I couldn't keep up with it after I you know put in some content that. Uh, uh, you know, nine months ago. But what's next, I think, is that, you know, Rob alluded to it, right? So we spent some time thinking about what is that next small step, right? That first step, because the future is very, very interesting and intriguing. And everybody knows IoT is coming, but it's 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 taking some time for people to figure out exactly what that use case, right? So we are helping. So what we have is a three-step phase, which we use to describe how we help carriers figure out the questions that they need answer to, right? So we call it the plan phase, the pilot phase, and the launch phase. We're doing it with a couple of carriers, and we're excited about this future, right? So everything that I talked about, it really is reflective of the, it's not a learning that I had a year ago or six months ago. It's literally last week or even this week, right? So we're we're, we're absolutely um, rocking and rolling and taking every learning that we've had and working with a couple of guys who I think uh, want to see it the way we want to, because not everybody sees the way we do. I, I will tell you, there are some carriers today that are on the path of, late. let's figure out the right device, right? So it's a hardware play for us. And when I meet those people, I say, good luck 
we're not that company. We're the, we're the company that's betting on the overall behavior change and what it's going to take to change the behavior, hardware, software, analytic insights, whatever it is, for both the carriers and the end customer. So um, that's that's what's next for Purple Land. I'm really excited. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, look, uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, Rob and I love talking about InsureTech, and uh, this is a really exciting topic. Uh, I am looking forward to the day when I can share data on my house because that doesn't bother me. And I can get uh, a premium discount, uh, you know, put Cincinnati insurance on your on your target list because that's who my carrier is. Hopefully they'll get serious Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, one of the things that we learned and we built is a consent management interaction, right? So, yeah. So just like you, there are many people out there who want to get that exchange happen, right? Hey, take my data, give me a discount, right? So we've kind of launched that from our standpoint. Cincinnati is on my list to call. I'll talk yes. to you offline because they sound like someone who should be should be on the purple land uh, conversation yeah they are and they're, they're they're a great carrier and they cover a specific type of property that i had to that I had to get coverage for so they they're, they're really uh really good on that in that regard well look uh thank you so much best wishes with the business and with everything else and uh thank you for joining us today on the insure tech geek podcast and uh rob thank you. yeah awesome and rob as always brother uh my fellow Texagander, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today, and I appreciate you uh, taking time to to geek out with us today. Always happy to ride shotgun with you, James. <laughs> All right, brother. We're gonna do it literally when we, when this thing lifts. I'm coming over. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go do a like a carpool karaoke version of this, uh, driving around Texas, and I'm gonna go to every stinking taco place in San Antonio because I am severely taco deficient right now, and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening in. This is the InsureTech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge. It's all about technology. It's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham, my co-host, Rob Galbraith. That's endofinsurance.com. Thanks to, to Jim Greenley, our podcast producer, and to Kara Dalton-Aro, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today for our discussion with Pankaj Parashar from Purple Ant. I look forward to talking to you soon. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out.